12.30 p.m. in Johannesburg and 5.30 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com. I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations. And I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. Joe Biden is known for saying, don't tell me what you value. Show me your budget and I'll tell you what you value. This statement is kind of one of those earth shattering realities when you apply it to your own life. I work with a lot of women who are reclaiming their power reestablishing their self-worth and self-confidence and finding their own thing and inevitably in the process when they're starting a business, a project, or just reclaiming their health, I discover that they're not investing in themselves. Any money that they have for themselves or in their family often goes to everybody else. And the hardest thing that they have is to invest in themselves. In fact, there's often hesitation before we even work together. Like, God, I never spend money on myself. I feel guilty for investing in myself. Our relationship with money says so much about our relationship with ourselves. And this impacts how we take care of ourselves how much support we allow ourselves to have. And honestly, if you're running your own business, it also impacts how much you allow yourself to grow. So this episode is bigger picture, part of what we're all excited about over at Expats on Purpose, which is the Expat Coach secret series where you'll hear some inside secrets from me around running your business as well as when you're working with expats, how to serve them best. Plus you'll hear from my own recent graduates of Expat Coach Coalition behind the scenes on expat life and how we can all show up differently to make the most of it. But money is one of those things that impacts us so intimately right? Whether you've only got a little bit of it or you've got a lot of it, how we navigate that can really impact the quality of our life. So I couldn't think of anybody better to join me in our focus on money today than Julie Duzak. Let me tell you about Julie before I welcome her. She's a financial coach and creator of Fund Your Joy. I mean, how much fun is that? Fund Your Joy is the name of her company. She helps women increase their financial know-how, align their money and priorities, and make sense of all those things swirling around in our heads that affect how we deal with money, right? So she is an accredited financial counselor, but what I love about her is that she is also there to guide you not only towards what you really want financially, but she bans the word should from her work and helps her clients choose their own path, which I really love. Essentially, I think Julie and I are both about empowerment. She does it through money mindset and know-how. I do it through other channels, but that's what I love about what Julie's approach um, achieves. 
So her, I have also heard from people who've worked with Julie, her approach is judgment-free, casual, and I have to say, super fun. This woman cracks me up. So I can't wait to have her join us on Expat Happy Hour. Julie, welcome to Expat Happy Hour. So happy to have you here, Julie. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Sunday. Okay, so I need to brag on Julie a little bit, and I know you're going to hate me for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I have been following on uh, Julie on Wonder Joy, and I actually have referred a few, few people to you. And what I have heard behind the scenes is nuts, like the kind of impact that you've made on people, the kind of transformation. It's a huge shift. So I was really excited when I twisted your arm and you finally decided <laughs> to come on Expat Happy Hour. So thank you. Really, I'm really happy um, that you're here. Yeah, super happy to be here. So I'm curious, I mean, before we go further, I'm curious, you know, this is really cool work that you do. And I think it's really important work. Um, one, it's about empowerment. Two, it's about security. And three, it's about joy. Like, how cool is that? Um, so what, what led you to do what you do? So, you know, it's funny because the first thing people ask me is if I was a finance major. Mm. I'm like, have you met me? I just, <laughs> there's nothing about me that says I love details. I love numbers. I love economics or whatever that is. Um, no, it's, I found that I, I really like to, to help people and coach people and train people. And I've had years dancing around through different careers where the common theme was instructing and helping and guiding and making easier. So I found that those were, those kept popping up and I was like, okay, well, clearly I want to do this. If, if I was crafting every job that I had into ways that I could do that, then clearly that's something that I want to do. And money has just sort of been it's a hobby, I guess. I don't know how money could be a hobby, but I honestly, I do really read like personal finance books for fun. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, like I always say, like I'm a dork about money, so my clients don't have to be. Right. <laughs> you could take one for the team. <laughs> yes. So, you know, and it's one of those things that um, seeing how inconsistent and inequitable financial education is for pretty much the entire world that mm -hmm. some people learn it. Some people don't learn it. A few people learn it in school. Some people learn it from home. Some people learn bad habits from home. Some people learn good habits from home. Some people, you know, don't get anything. So it, to me, it's a huge leg up to be able to support oneself and to understand your finances and to not have to abdicate that responsibility to somebody else completely. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, and it's really, I have a passion for working, especially with women, because the messages that we get just tend to really point us away from money and handling it and mm -hmm. going after success, mm -hmm. and, you know, that it's, I don't know. I'm still working through. Got to play nice. Mm -hmm. Can't ask mm -hmm. for anything. Yeah. So, um, so it's something that like I felt really fortunate that I was made aware of money things growing up. It's not like we didn't sit around the dinner table talking about it, but it's something that was 
that I became, I guess, kind of really, really into because I want, I wanted to, to see if I could help anybody else out there that didn't have a good foundation, be able to feel the confidence that being in charge of your money and knowing what's going on, like how good that feels. So I have like two questions that come up when I think about that, because confidence keeps coming back, right? And I think when I hear the word confidence, it also, it's not just a feeling, it's also like confidence in strategies, right? That would work, right? So when you think about, I'm thinking of two different scenarios. One is a couple and um, an individual wants to get more financially savvy. Maybe they're the one who isn't working because their partner has a full-time job. Maybe they're taking care of kids, or maybe they're the one who's always moving and has given up their jobs. So their partner could have their career. Why, why, should, why is it worth it, right? Like even, and here's what I'm really curious about. If things are not bad financially, right, why is it still worth it to get savvy? So, you know, the easy answer is that because we, it benefits us all when we have more information, but, you know, kind of the, the ick answer is that sometimes it's just all of a sudden it's not going to be okay. Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's a divorce or a death that just turns everything upside down. Right. That, um, you know, like in my situation, my father passed away when I was early on in high school, and my mom had to take over every bit of financial stuff for our family and for a small business. Oh my God. And, and that's the last thing you want to be learning when you're absolutely. Grieving. And so I think that came from like or that led then to her making sure that that I could take care of myself, that I would never be caught off guard in such a catastrophic way that I would understand money and that I would understand the importance of of being independent with money. And then, of course, growing up and getting married and then trying to weave that into somebody else. And then fast forward now to where I'm completely dependent on my husband for, for money. But what it has enabled me to be able to do is that I handle all of the money and the finances in our relationship. So that is something huge that I can contribute to our family that I might not be able to bring in all the money, but I can make sure that I can, you know, that we can kind of control the money that's going out and make the best of what we have and make it even better and, you know, watch where it's going and be mindful of, of the investments and, kind of so we can grow forward instead of just, well, you know, we're fine. Like we could leave it and we could be totally fine and we could retire at, oh God, at some horrible age that's way too far in the future. <laughs> but I'm not okay with that. So I, I wanted better. And so I make sure that I stay on top of it. And, you know, and, and talking about sort of, you know, like the retirement age, another big piece of it is that when you – are trying to figure out retirement at some point when you're like, I'm done working. The first, well, the first thing everybody wants to know is how much do I need? Mm-hmm. And the question that will always come up is, well, I don't know, like how much do you need now? Like, mm-hmm. what are you living on? What, mm-hmm. how much money do you actually need? 
So no investment professional can tell you how much money you need to retire if you can't tell them how much money you need to live. Right, right. Well, I mean, I'm kind of hearing that there's a couple layers there. One is that for those who are accompanying partners and might not, for either by choice or by situation, might not be the one who's contributing um, as much to the family finances, it is a way to have um, sort of a, a, an informed conversation about the money that the entire family is impacted by, right? Absolutely. Because as, yeah. as we also know that the accompanying partners are working full time, but they're just doing non-paid work, right? That's that's for sure. Um, the other thing that's coming up for me is thinking about the future and also having that same sort of security about the future of if I'm savvy about this now, I don't have to be taken off guard when we're older. Because then when you're older, you have so much less leverage to make money to meet the lifestyle that you want. Yeah, right? that it's that's a horrible surprise mm-hmm. to have. You don't want that surprise when you're 65. No. That, you know, you may be, oops, my partner, mm-hmm. my partner kind of piddled away our money and we don't really have much for retirement that tell you the the argument that would ensue at 40 as opposed to the argument that would ensue at 65 (laughs) like I don't want any argument but I'll take that 40 argument all day totally totally yeah okay so here's the thing I'm going to dive right in you talk about helping people especially women get their financial shit together yeah yeah so tell me first of all what does that look like what does that even mean so, you know, I mean, obviously, like everything starts with it depends and it's personal, but I have I have a sense that I've put together from working with clients of some general sort of columns of, of if you've got these things going on, you kind of feel like you have your shit together. So the first piece of it is is really it's, it's having a plan for your money for the good times and the not so good times. So it's kind of like knowing what you're going to do with it, um, but then knowing what happens uh, when the inevitable, I mean, we'll say it again, when the shit hits the fan. Right, right. Yeah. So that's first piece of it. And then, so another piece is feeling confident in your money know-how. And that sort of sometimes can appear like feeling like you can go and have a conversation with your investment professional and not feeling like a dodo and not just like <laughs> knowing that like, you know, enough that you're not too embarrassed to say, well, I don't know what that is because inevitably they're going to say a word or an acronym that you don't know what it is. And it's sort of like, you, you know, you don't know what you don't know, but it's like you get to this level of, okay, I, I feel like I know what, um, you know, enough to get by and enough to have a little bit of a conversation and then enough to be able to ask some intelligent questions about your money. That is such an important point. Okay. Are you going to give us like the download of the top ones and then we go into it in detail? Which one do you want to do? Cause I already have like a thousand questions. <laughs> so I have like, like five kind of having your shit together and then we can talk about my mindsets. Okay. I'm number them down. So I've got number one so far, have a plan for your money, not just for the good times. Um, but also when SHIT hits a fan. Number two, being confident about your money know-how. Um, I'm going to hold on that one because I really want to talk about that. What's the third one? Okay. 
So next one up is aligning your money with your priorities. And that's spending spending your money on the things. And I sort of group experiences, people, all under things. Spending on what brings you joy instead of the crap that you like really doesn't matter to you, but you think it, quote, should, um, or even like credit card interest. That's no fun to spend money on. Mm, no, yeah. not at all. Yeah. So last up is addressing the, the limiting beliefs that you have about money that are holding you back from getting where you want to go. So it's basically just not letting an unhealthy relationship with money rule your life. So good. Okay, so I need to back up here. We're, we're already now having a picture of how we can get our financial shit together. And what I'm hitting already in terms of clarity is number one about the plan for the inevitable. And I think you and I share a sort of a sense of with the expat life, something is going to happen, right? So we might as well have what I would call buffer for it. Yeah. And yeah. So what you're saying is really make a plan, but you go so much deeper in your work, not just like having some money on the side for let's say an extra plane ticket. Like what are some of the things that you think people should think about um, when it comes to having a plan for when things don't go right? So yeah, it's not really fun to think about. So I think a lot of people just kind of, yeah, no, that's fine. It'll be okay. Like, I feel like the mantra of 2020 was, no, 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 I'm sure it's fine. Uh, just because we need it to be. Mm-hmm. So just because we want it to be doesn't mean it's going to be okay. So, you know, a lot of things come up where, um, you know, we have to take an unexpected trip home or a work situation changes. And, mm-hmm. you know, the whole rug comes out from underneath you or part of the rug comes out from underneath you. And it's just being able to sustain yourself. And then also sometimes it's other people that depending on our own family situation, sometimes it's prudent to have that family fund. The mm-hmm. When family mm-hmm. comes knocking and mm-hmm. knows that maybe well, gosh, yeah, their job is very secure or they get their housing paid for or whatever it is. People look at that and think that that you've got it all together. And it's sometimes making sure that somebody else's issues don't derail your priorities. Right. Or maybe your heart really wants to support your family. Maybe you have aging parents and they need more support with medical costs. Like all I'm hearing, Julie, is even though these are hard things we don't want to think about, I'm the first person who doesn't want to think about these hard things, right? But what I'm guessing is it really does is buy you some peace of mind and security that you know if something hard happens, you can navigate it. Yeah, and that's what I think it's, to me, it's really just having all of your, you know, your financial life together isn't so you can check off a box and feel like, okay, did that. It's so you can feel good. So you don't feel under the weight of, of your money, of the stress. Mm -hmm. It's like, I go with, if there's something in your life that you can reduce the stress over, go ahead and do that because there's so many other places that you can't control the stress. And so our finances is a big part of our life that we actually can control. And especially in a mobile life that, wow, there's so much that we don't have 
control over. So when you can take control of something, it feels really good. Yeah, you're so right. You're so right. And save that energy for like build up strength and security and confidence in that area because there's other areas that you might feel less secure. Absolutely. So let's talk talk about the second one. So when you talked about the confident, the money know-how, I kind of thought about how I feel when I go to a mechanic where Mm -hmm. I I walk in there and I'm like, (laughs) you can see it coming from a mile away. You know, I don't know anything about my car and I'm going to try to pretend like I do and not lose face, right? Like um, that's the same thing with going to a money advisor if you were that competent, you wouldn't be going to an advisor because that's what you pay someone, right? Unless that's your job to be a financial advisor. So of course, you're not going to know as much. But how much is enough to know, do you think, to have that conversation? You know, it's it's not going to be about specifics, but it's about, it's enough, like it's knowing enough so you can say, I don't understand that, so I'm not going to invest in it. It's no, it's understanding the concept that if you don't understand something, mm-hmm. then don't put your money in it. Um, right. And so then sometimes in that, that will prompt you to go back and research. You say, well, but my money person really talked a lot about this and they think it's a good idea, but I don't understand it. So I want to go back and have, you know, get some better information about it so I can feel more informed. But sort of generically, it's understanding that it's understanding basic investment principles. I think that's a Mm -hmm. big piece of it. It's understanding what what choices you have available to you, because sometimes a financial professional, they may not even know. Um, You know, if you have a certain like a government pension, they may not understand the full details about it. So at the very least, it's understanding where you can go to get more information about something. So you don't have to remember everything. It's just like, oh, yeah, I found this really good website that if I put in some information, you know, if I put in my question, what is this? They will give me a pretty good definition of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I also feel like there's things that I know, like just a very simple principle would be compound interest, right? A lot of people know what compound interest is. And so you have time on your side instead of a lot of money. So you use that small amount of money over time, right? That's my layman's way of explaining it. I hope that's correct. (laughs) (laughs) That works. um, I call it a miracle, though. It is a miracle of compounding interest. But sure, it's a concept. (laughs) But So the whole point, like, is I get that's a thing, but... It's just like moving more and eating healthier is a thing we know. Doesn't always mean that we live it, right? Just because you know about certain healthy principles around money doesn't mean that you're actually going to do those practices, right? Yeah. Right? We, it's like we, we sabotage ourselves like we do with our health, right? Like we do with our time management, like we do with our energy management. We do the same thing with, with money, so I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. We talked about planning. We talked about the confidence of the know-how. If you, if you were to coach someone to say, these are the basics that you should probably get savvy on, would you, would you be able to say, here are the three things? Or does it depend on the person? I think it really depends on the person. Yeah, it's having a base understanding of just some of the common terms that are appropriate in you know, like country to country, things are going to things are going to vary. Absolutely. But what I'm hearing is you can also invest in that knowing so that you feel empowered when you have that conversation. Yeah. And it's um, at least knowing that there 
is the difference. Yep. Right. And so when you go in and are talking to somebody and you're paying them money to, to work with you, that you're not, you know, they're not spending their time explaining, well, money's different here in this country. Mm-hmm. You go, right. I got yeah. that, but I just don't understand the details of it. So take a minute and explain it to me. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And if you're paying them by the hour, then it's important to do a little homework. Okay. So I feel like I missed something uh, because we were, we're, I want to talk about limiting beliefs, but I feel like there was one other part you said about having. It's aligning your money and your priorities. Okay. That one is really important. And I really see that (laughs) on your Instagram page a lot. So can you say more about that? Yeah. It's, you know, that's the thing is like, I, I don't, I really try to avoid the word should, Um, so I try to stay away from like, oh, you should be doing this. You should be doing this. But I instead say, if you want to feel good about your money and if you want to work towards funding your joy, then you will spend money on the things that bring you joy instead of the things that drag you down. And a big, a big part of that is debt. Mm -hmm. Debt drags us all down and spending money on interest payments is not, that's not something that brings, I don't know, I don't think anybody really gets a kick out of that, but more power to you if you do. But <laughs> it's, it's not a fun way to spend your money. And so it's making sure that it's getting rid of extra debt because that's not aligned with most people's priorities about what they want to spend their money on. And so it really is thinking about what is it that is, that's important to me? And I know a lot of us don't really take the time. We don't give ourselves that grace, that time to think about what really matters to me. Because I think sometimes we're afraid, we're afraid that, that it's not going to match up, that mm-hmm. we're spending money on, on things that, that aren't that important to us. And maybe we have got ourselves into a little bit of a keeping up with the neighbors situation or too much debt. And we're just not really happy about it. So we don't really want to face that truth. Right, right. Oh, I see that all the time, Julie. You know, oftentimes with the work with my clients, when we talk about even what are your values, people are like, um, hmm, (laughs) you know, like it's a hard question, actually, even though it should be the easiest question in the world. It's a hard question to articulate that. And then that it's even harder when you realize once you're really clear on your values that feel absolutely in alignment with you when you're not living them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a big wake up call. Yeah. It just feels, it feels better that it mm-hmm. feels more, you feel happier with your money and you're like, you're happier to go and get the money. It's, right. it's easier to go to work and earn money that you know is going towards something that you're proud of, that is meaningful to you. But if you're going, you're getting up, for a job every day and you're making money and it's just like feeding whatever beast that's yeah, it's hard to feel joyful about your job at that point. Exactly. So that is, I think a really big point I want to dive into because there's, it's hard to get people in alignment with, I'm going to be really honest, like what brings them joy? So I feel like you've got two challenges, (laughs) you know, you do, you have double trouble here, right? Like, so one, you need to get people to, to take ownership of their money and you need to help them get really clear on what brings them joy. And then you give them the practices to start creating the structures I'm guessing and practices that will lead them to that. So 
that's what you got your work cut out for you. <laughs> <laughs> Super easy. I got this. <laughs> so can, do you mind if we talk about mindset? Because I see that a lot in my work and I want to see if, if we have similar hunches around the way people think about money. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> so when you work with people, what is some of their like money negative money mindset or some of their fears around money? So first it's, so money mindset isn't necessarily negative or positive. It's just your money mindset is your own unique and individual set of your beliefs about money and how money works in the world. And it's just that these mindsets shape what you think you can do and cannot do with your money or how much money you believe that you are allowed or entitled or able to earn, how much you can and quote should spend, how much money you give away. So there's a lot of pieces to it. And, you know, they all come from all these things that we, we heard growing up from our parents or TV or movies or friends. And, and it's like I said, it's not necessarily a clear good or bad. It just depends on how they show up in your life. So uh, all the different things that feed into that can funnel down to a few bigger mindsets. And one of the most common ones is a scarcity versus abundance Mm -hmm. mindset. The answer is usually it depends. Mm -hmm. So a scarcity mindset that can come from, can come from growing up with less or from hearing stories about parents living with less, that Mm -hmm. that fed a lot of my uh, beliefs about money is Mm -hmm. hearing my parents talk about the sacrifices that they made. Mm -hmm. It's even like seeing in movies that money is evil or you have to work yourself to the bone to get money or even that working hard doesn't get you enough money. Mm -hmm. And then abundance can come from, it can come from having more than enough growing up. So you do really, you were taught that there is always money there. It could also come from thinking perhaps inaccurately that there will always be enough. Right. (laughs) And it's not always the case. Mm -hmm. And it even comes from sometimes having social safety nets that Mm -hmm. people think, well, that's fine. There was the government will help me. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to worry about it. So it's like, it's not super clear really where, like where one is better or one is right. It's not, not necessarily the case. So we kind of go with maybe having like a a healthy, but leaning towards a positive balance to serve us. Right. Because either mindset could actually lead to positive and negative situations. Right, right. I think it's really interesting you bring up scarcity versus abundance. And it makes me think about, you know, if you just try to manifest it, it will come. (laughs) I've never heard someone explain it like that before. Um, But what I'm hearing you say is there's also gravity, right? There's, there's, there are realities that we live in that impact how, how much access we have to money, who has access to money, right? And, um, and those things play a role. Those things matter and yeah. impact. What's really interesting about all this is that the same situation, the same uh, like types of experiences or messages can lead to very different opinions about money. And the same opinions about money can lead to very different actions. So like I'll give you an example, Sunday, that so scarcity 
could there can be positives in a scarcity mindset. So somebody can come from a generational pattern of spending beyond means. And then if the way that the scarcity mindset shows up is that they adamantly want to avoid that situation. Mm-hmm. So it turns that person into somebody who saves for a rainy day. Right. So right. it's not necessarily a, a bad thing to have these messages that we are raised with, but it's just a matter of tempering them it's because sometimes scarcity can mean that we are afraid to spend money even when we need it. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so the same thing, like abundance has two sides of it where somebody with an abundance mindset that if you believe that more money will appear whenever you need it, you may be led to spend everything that you make. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily, you know, that's, that's might be having faith in yourself. Yes. But mm-hmm. money is a real thing that has to come from someplace else. And sometimes just thinking that it will come and believing that it will come sometimes just does not manifest it. But, you know, it can also, like I said, on the flip side, sort of heading towards the, this can be good, this could be not as good. It might lead someone to take risks with their financial future, which sometimes risks can be for the better, sometimes not. Same things with a business. Sometimes we have to take a leap of faith and trust that we'll get where we need to go, but sometimes we can be too risky. So it's just sort of that that balance there. But then abundance can help us look for opportunities for growth, either in our own money or with a business. So it can encourage us to go out there and we, we believe that there are more opportunities. And so we go out looking for them because you think they're out there. Right, right. So how do you tease that out when you work with people? How do you find out what their mindset is and whether it's serving them or not? So I think most people, in a sense, know that something is like, they feel like something's not right and they just don't know what it is. And so we'll talk a little bit about, we sort of, you know, go back and uh, we think about as kids, what are, what were these messages that we got from our, Mm -hmm. from all the different influences? Like, do we get taught that we weren't good with money or do we constantly hear money doesn't grow on trees or money is a man's world? (laughs) You're too stupid to deal with money or people won't like me if I have money. That's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's, it's funny because some people look at that and go, how, what does it, everybody wants to be your friend when you have money, but it's not necessarily the case because money can change the dynamics in relationships, especially, you know, like we've talked about, it's when our partners make more money than us mm-hmm, or make mm-hmm. all the money, it can trigger some things if, especially if we had these messages growing, growing up, or even like rich people are snobby or poor people. They're the true heroes, the true noble people. So there's just a lot of messages that we heard. And so it's a matter of, we kind of talk about, we sort of tease out what those are. And we just talk about, well, what was it that you heard your parents say a lot? Or what do you think your role is in the finances in your family. And so it's mm-hmm. a lot of times it does. It starts to bubble up all the things you're like, oh, mm-hmm. God, yeah, so that's where that comes from. Yeah, I remember, I remember my mom saying all the time, mm-hmm. oh, totally. my mom taught me about, like I said, the miracle of compounding interest. Uh, 
You got lucky. I didn't, they didn't teach me that when I was a kid. (laughs) So what about business owners? So this is very connected to expat life and the people who are listening. Some of the people that are listening are expat, their accompanying partners and they're solopreneurs, right? They might have a service or a product based business and they are living that complexity of a global life. Um, and they're trying to create some financial independence for themselves. What have you seen with people where that can be hard? Like where does mo- where might our money mindset be slowing down that goal of financial independence? Oh gosh, yeah, it is hard. I mean, it's couple money is hard anyway, and then throw in, you know, maybe trying to launch launch a business that Mm -hmm. maybe isn't bringing in much or has some initial outlay of money that Mm -hmm. might be required. And so, uh, you know, we feel like, am I worthy of making money? Do I trust myself that, that I will be able to make money? And so, you know, our ideas about money and our partner's ideas about money Mm -hmm. are absolutely going to inform how we, how we, relate, you know, to each other about it, where, you know, if our partner is, is operating from a full on scarcity mindset of like, nope, this is all the money that, that we have. There's no way that we could possibly afford for you to put this money in to invest, you know, in your business or for your own training. Um, You know, and we ourselves could believe that as well. Oh, no, that's, I, well, I don't think I'm going to be able to make very much money. I'm not very, I'm not very good yet. So therefore, I, I'm not going to confidently discuss mm-hmm. this with my partner. Right. That you know, if we truly believe we've got this, I can do this. That mm-hmm. there is money out there to be made. Mm-hmm. Then we can have a very different conversation than, oh, do I feel like well, I. <sighs> It's just little old me. I don't know enough about money. So I just have to ask my partner if it's okay. And I won't really bring much to the table in the way of discussion because I'm not really, oh, it's just little old me. Right. That makes such a huge impact. Huge impact. So it makes it like the success of your business is beyond the market research and the service that you offer is directly connected to your money mindset because it begins like, are you even going to open your business? Do you invest in experts to support you? Do you put out professional products or services, you know, because you're investing in the right technology or whatever it is, it has a huge ripple effect. Absolutely. Um, So it's, this is where the, the investment is a no brainer because that's where you get the return on the investment down the road when you're able to sort of clean that up. And I, I say this because I, I've had to do a lot of work through my money crap. I grew up with, I would call it a scarcity mindset. And it took me a long time to be able to uh, let go of that. And I know that my comfort in investing in my business has been, has had a direct impact on the success of my business because I got over my money crap. Right. So it really does, really does make sense. I know we, we don't have much time left, but I'm just curious if you could give a few tips or a few strategies to people who are either starting out with their, their company or are at home and having those conversations, let's say with a partner or even those tough conversations with themselves. What are some of the things that you think people should stop doing <laughs> or start doing that you see over and over? 
Yeah, so definitely step one, if you're not looking at your financial statements, I mean, especially nowadays that we they don't show up in our mailbox, our physical mm-hmm. mailbox. We don't even, I don't even think I get an email. It's just, they're just there. If mm-hmm. I felt like going and looking at them, they're there. So if you're not looking at your financial statements, at least look at them every month, mm-hmm. just so you know that it's, at least so you're not ignorant to your own situation. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily even saying you're going to take any actions, but odds are pretty good that having some information will in, it will impact your behaviors. So then, so if you are looking and you do have a sense of, of what's going on, but you're not really sure where it's going and you're not what, sure what you're spending it on. So sort of the next step up is start tracking your expenses, figure out where everything's going. And this again, will like if for no other reason, everything is great, everything is fine, you're making it work, at the very least, you might be able to have a m- more informed number to tell your retirement advisor. Be like, hey, listen, I might be, we're making this much money per year, but we don't actually need all that to live on. This is what I need to live on. So use your magic machines and tell me how much money I need for retirement. And whoops, we're ready. We could go today. You never know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, there's tons of apps for that. You can use a paper. Most people use an app for it because we just use apps for everything. So the next step would be if you're tracking your spending would be to use all that information that you have right there to create a plan. So starting out at the beginning of every month with a plan for your money and see what you can do to stick, stick to it. Of course, making sure that we set aside money first for our future self. Mm-hmm. Don't screw your future self. Put aside money for savings and <laughs> retirement. And then see, you know, where the money, where the money can go each month. I'm, I'm, I'm failing on several of these <laughs> criteria. That's <laughs> why we start small. You just literally, right? at the end of a month, look at the bank statement or look at the credit card statement. That's sometimes when it's like, oh my God, it's eight pages long. Oh no. <laughs> That's, right. Right. Yeah. But the thing is, the information is there. It's like, I was scary or not, like it's scary to know, but the information does not change whether or not you know about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you're spending that much, even if you refuse to look at it. Right. But here's a perfect example. And this is, you know, I, I'm a little bit laissez faire when it comes to like the detail level of detail in my business expenses. And there was one point where I discovered I was spending money on like, let's say four um, kind of cloud services, right? And I wasn't fully utilizing any of them. I was like using a tiny bit over here and a tiny bit over there. And, and I realized, you know, I was probably spending $150 too much on cloud services. Mm. Not, a, not a train smash of a business expense, right? But like, you know what I'd like to do with 150 bucks? I'd like to invest that in... Uh, a cause I believe in or in, you know, professional development for my team or, you know what I mean? Like I, I do not value wasting my money on a cloud service. I do value paying um, Rachel Cargill for her anti-racism education, right? Like, so it's about, I think that's the thing as business owners or as a family or an individual, 
even if we're making small mistakes with our money, those like wasted opportunities could go to our deepest values. Yeah. And it's then we just feel better about, well, first we know, like we're a little bit more in control. We've tightened it up a little bit that, you know, we've, it's nice and organized rather than just sort of chaotic. And for most of us, having too much chaos around us can, can cause stress. So it's getting rid of some of the chaos around your money and then going laser focus on the things that you really do care about. That's so good. Oh, I can feel it. So Julie, if you're someone like me who's busy and wants, you know, would want to do something like this, but doesn't understand how much time does it take to really make a shift? Um, what would you say? So, you know, some people like to, to go out and they like to read the books and, you know, watch whatever videos. And that's going to take you a long time. I'll be honest, trying to do it on your own um, might take a little bit more time than you are willing to invest in it. And you're going to feel maybe like you're flailing around. So when I work with my clients, it's, like I said, it's super personal, personal finance, very personal. And so for some individuals, when we start, I start with all my clients with a two hour deep dive session. And so for some clients, I'll be honest, that is enough. They just need, they just need some structure put around what they're already doing, or maybe need a clear plan to pay off their debt as fast as they want to. So some people could be two hours. For individuals who need a little bit more assistance going through the steps of making a spending plan, looking internally about how they feel about their money. So if we're coming from a place of, I don't, I don't know anything or I don't remember anything that maybe I learned, um, you know, it's maybe about six months. I work with my clients every other week for about six months. And that will, that gets the clients from a place of feeling like, they're just under a weight of it all and don't really know where to go, what to do next, what to focus their energy on to a place of being able to say, I got this, that it's I, I'm on top of it and I may maybe still have some debt that I'm working on paying off, but I have a plan for it. And then if somebody comes with a like less issues that they want to work on or maybe one piece they've got under control. They're like, yeah, I've got this. This is this piece I'm really good at, but I need to work on this piece a little bit more, but usually about three months. Okay. That's great. And tell me like when you, when you talk about finding your joy, are we talking about like travel plans or what are, what are, when people, how do they define fund your joy? Oh my gosh. That is, I am loving hearing what my clients want to do and where they want to head and what their joy looks like to them. And it's funny because these might be some people that I knew outside of coaching. And then when we start talking about money things, I'm like, I had no idea that that, you know, it's even somebody my age who's in their mid forties is already getting excited about the house that they are going to buy to host their, their events with their grandchildren. Oh, and it's like, so that is what they're so excited about it. And like, I mean, some of them don't even have grandkids yet. And they're like so excited about, um, you know, about that prospect of the future or even opening up some kind of business uh, that's, 
that they've just said, I've always really wanted to, to do this. And this just really speaks to me. And I want to be able to get to a place financially where if, you know, I don't, if I don't want to work in a traditional nine to five and I want to do something that's outside of the traditional, that it's an option for them. That's and so then cool. of course, traveling, travel has been a big priority for people as well. That's so f- funny you say that. Like as as a kid growing up, and and even now, I I talk about I, I'm, money isn't really that important to me, but freedom is. Yeah. So money has always been a way to have a choice. Even as a teenager, I would you know if I go babysitting, I'd save half because if a concert came up, I'd want to be able to fund the concert, Absolutely. right? And not be limited. Okay, that's so interesting. So tell us where can people find you if they want to learn more. Absolutely. I am on the interwebs at fundyourjoy.com. And I am also under that same handle, fundyourjoy, on Instagram and Facebook. I'm most present on Instagram. Oh, thank you so much for coming today. I think for me, um, what I'm taking away from our time together is... um, just because things are okay financially doesn't mean you have it together, right? There are some things that families can do that will help prevent chaos down the road, especially when things are at the least inconvenient time. You don't want to be dealing with extra stress. That's something I'm also hearing the the joy side of, wait a minute, for people who are like me that are not detail-oriented, if I did invest some time on the detailed side, I would actually be able to live even more closely in alignment with my values. And that is already um, saying enough to convince me. So thank awesome. you so much. Um, for thank all you, Sunday. I appreciate right. it. There you have it. Now, don't forget to go check out Expat Coach Secrets for more insight. Join us for these six free sessions. And if you're interested in serving expats in some capacity, don't miss out on the link for Expat Coach Coalition because I would love for you to join me. You've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Schneider Bean. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with the words from Kate Northrup. The more I value myself, the better my relationship with money becomes. Bam! <laughs>